Good morning, everyone. Before you're seated, before you're seated, could I get you, as folks continue to come in, could you move towards the center of your row? Just move towards the center of your row, and uh, we'll have, we'll leave the ends open for folks that are still coming in. Thank you so much. If you're visiting, my name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors today, and we are enjoying, Morton, you can sit down. We are enjoying a good, good father, personally. Uh, that song, You're a Good, Good Father, really resonates with me. Last night, I kind of got choked up. I sensed God's goodness. Melissa and I and a few of our sons went to Bayside at Adventure. You know, that's where Melissa and I started 20 years ago. We helped start uh, Adventure, what was Adventure Christian Church. Before anything was there, we met at Rockland High School for two years, set up and tore down, not knowing I would do that for 12 years, a few years later. And... Uh, last night we were there, and our son, Grant Matthews, was on the platform playing the keys. They're not letting him sing yet, but he's on the keys, and uh, it was so funny uh, that his computer actually went down, so the computer he was using, which ran the MIDI and the, the track, and, and the worship leader's like, what's going on, what's going on? And Grant's like, ah! But he didn't show it. He's real cool. Anyways, we were so proud that our son gets to serve there. He's on staff at Bayside, and uh, it's been such a story for him. But what we love most about him is his heart. He's just got a great heart, and I give God all the credit. I'm sure God's being good to you similarly, that your experience is his goodness for your family, that you're experiencing his goodness related to your own health, that you're experiencing his goodness and some times of joy related to the hardships you've gone through, that there are moments when you're like, whoa, I couldn't have planned that. I couldn't, that, I did not see that coming. And uh, he, he is the God of hope. Romans chapter 15, he's the God of compassion, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He is the God who wants to bring you peace and joy and Christ's character in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And as you face whatever you're facing this year, uh, I hope that you will put your faith in him, not yourself, but in what he can do through you and and how he can lead and care for you, and uh, you'll be good to go. Um, just by trusting him step by step, day by day. If the government never uh, gets back into business, well, that's okay. We just keep going forward by faith, okay? <clears throat> so this morning, we're going to continue a series called Love Thy Neighbor, uh, Love Thy Neighborhood. And uh, we're going I'm to, ra- I'm wrapping up. So this is my last uh, presentation. Next week, Zach Fox, our youth pastor, is going to give his first standalone. You know, Zach's been with us since June uh, the 1st. He had a, a short 180-day period of initial period of employment. He passed it. It was like December 12th, and we're so proud of him. We are. We love, we love, parents, if you haven't got to know him, you will love what's here. You'll love for your kids to get to grow up with him. Um, He's just got a heart of gold. He's got great relational intelligence. He just loves kids. And he's been out this week loving kids. There's a kid that was bullied in our church severely recently. He got to go out and be with him this week. Another kid going through hardships and loss. He was out with him this week. And I'm like, I told him, I said, let me tell you something. I've never been happier. When you do that, that's gold. You get out and love kids one at a time, that is gold. That's worth everything. And uh, I said it just like that to him. I, I'm, I'm serious. It's big time. So super proud of him. He'll be closing this series next week, this, this hope series. Now, what they say about Christians nationwide is one thing they wish their pastor would do for them more often. One thing. 
that they wish their pastor would do for them. It's not adjust the music. It's not um, that the pastor would, you know, I don't know. It's, it's not the building. It's, it's that the pastor would challenge them. The one thing, we want to be challenged more. How many of you are like, I never said that? <laughs> okay. Okay. So today, I just want to prepare you. I hope to challenge you in a way you've never been challenged. Mm-mm. You've never heard of this one. Okay? We're not talking about what you think we might be talking about. I hope to challenge you in a way you've never been challenged today. By God's grace alone, and I hope that the challenge you hear from me is not from me, but it's clearly from Yeshua, from Rabbi Jesus, that it's from him to you, a follower of Jesus. You in on that? Okay, I'm, I, I'm time sensitive, so I'm going to move a little fast. Is that okay? All right. So our, our focus today is creating a neighborhood. We, last week we talked about loving your hood, not your car hood, but creating, but, but loving your neighborhood. Today we're going to talk about creating a neighborhood. Now we all live in neighborhoods, uh, high density, low density, no density neighborhoods, and we're all, we care about our neighbors, I think, at some level or another. Um, and sometimes we say we love our neighbors, but love can be very kind of false or hypocritical. Um, this, does anyone remember the show, I Want to Marry Harry? Last service, no one remembered this. I Want to Marry Harry? Okay. One. We got one. Ernie, good job. So here it is. I Want to Marry Harry is, is this show that took place at a British castle in England, and they brought 12 American girls over who wanted, who envisioned the idea of marrying Prince Harry. Okay? Not, not first to the throne, but going to be a part of the Windsor, is part of the Windsor family forever. And they're all excited about this. So they get to interview him and date him. And he speaks in a great English accent. The only problem is what? It ain't the real Harry. Okay? The real Harry says, hey, you don't even look like me. Uh, And he says, I don't care. All the girls think I do. I mean, it's good living for the guy on your right. And the guy on the left is like, what is this? It's a big joke. It's like the biggest romance love disappointment of that reality TV era. Okay? I'd like, I was going to show a clip of it, but I thought, I probably won't find one that I can show. But anyways, it would have been fun. Uh, so I didn't even search. I just like, don't search it. Just move on. So <clears throat> those are decisions pastors have to make. Critical decisions, okay? So I thought this was pretty cool. By the way, just FYI, sometimes I spend as much as a half hour looking for the right picture. Just so you wonder, like, who does this for him? Uh, he does it. Okay, here we go. So while... That show, I Want to Marry Harry, was a disappointment about love. Unfortunately, this actual couple experienced uh, great disappointment. If some of you are like, who are these people? How many of you are like, I have no idea who these people are? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. All right. This is uh, Prince Charles and Lady Diana. You remember their wedding was spectacular in the late 80s. 30 years ago, spectacular wedding. Everyone's really excited about it. Except if you saw this interview that was held, um, Prince Charles and Lady Di were asked, hey, are, are you in love at their engagement? Are you in love? Simple question, right? Are you in love? How did the interviewer says, and I question, are you in love? This is, and he says, the, the interviewer says, and I suppose you're in love. Diana shyly answered, of course. Prince Charles said, yeah, whatever love is. You know, if, if your wife ever asks you, hey, guys, if your wife ever says, hey, are we in love? 
say, hey, can I pray about how I answer that question? Can I, like, can I have a minute? Can I, can we, can we, oh, if you don't have the right answer, practice the most important aerobic exercise on the planet. Push this bottom lip up to the top one. Just say you got to go to the bathroom, okay? Walk away. Here's the deal. Whatever love means, he says, it's almost like it's, it's a foreshadowing of their relationship to come. And by the way, I don't mean to at all be critical of the Windsor family. I'm actually reading currently Churchill's uh, The History of the English-Speaking Peoples. I actually like that stuff, so um, no disrespect intended. Uh, but this was, this was not a good engagement answer, is what I'm saying. And it perhaps was foreshadowing on what may have been more of a political marriage than something that was true love. So I'm setting you up to think in terms of loving your neighbors right now. I want to talk about actually having a love for our neighbors that is really measurable, that's really palpable, that really helps us answer the question to the second part of the greatest commandment. I think in marriage, you would agree, we all need to be romanced. Let's just say amen. We do, right? Okay. How many of you are like, no, I don't? Yeah, if, if we need to connect, because I could use some help. Okay, second is we need to be listened to. How many need to be listened to? How many of you are like me, and you need to be listened to more than anyone else in the family? Okay, that's me. All right. Lastly, we need to be cherished and respected. We all do. It's critical, right? Uh, we need to be cherished and respected. We need to believe the person we're married to enjoys us and wants to spend time with us. That's important, right? Just say, yes, it is important. It's very important. Quality time, very important. And if you're here and you're not married and you're like, geez, I hate it when they talk about marriage. Hey, let me tell you, it's important that your BFF is someone that enjoys you and wants to spend time with you. This, is all, this all translates into your relationships. We all agree with that. So here's a few questions. Related to this idea of loving your neighbor Do you really love your neighborhood? Do you love your neighborhood? Do you love the hood in which you live? Do you love it? Okay. Okay. You love your neighborhood. Secondly, um, are you in love with your neighborhood? Oof. You all right? Are you in love with your neighborhood? How many of you are like, I am regretting coming today? (laughs) Okay. Are you in love with your neighborhood? Here's where we've been. Jesus was approached by some teachers, and they asked him, Jesus, the most important command, Lord, your God, with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, this is the and commandment. That's it, first, okay? He answered their question halfway. He gave them more. He connected it to something else. This is what he said. He said, and the second is... Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus says, yeah, you can love God. Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the one that's very like it, and it's inseparable, is loving the neighbor nearest you. And so the question we've been asking is, how do we, and what if we, take Jesus literally and love the neighbor that is right next door to us? What if we take Jesus literally and love the neighbor that is right next door to us? What would that look like? How would we do it? 
Um, and, and, and here's the deal. A lot of us will say, hey, everyone's my neighbor. And there is some truth to that, even from the teachings of Jesus, that like the parable of the Good Samaritan, when you run into someone and you're, they have a need, they're your neighbor. Okay? But this idea that everyone's my neighbor, when we aim for everything, we hit nothing. So when we insist we're neighbors with everybody, often we end up neighbors with nobody. When you say everyone's your neighbor, what can really be said about you is no one's your neighbor. If we really take a close look at what a neighbor is. Now, I'm passionate about this for a few reasons. Number one, according to those that study um, gerontology and those that, get, those that live long, relationships are 30% of the equation of living a long life. You want to live 110 years? Have lots of relationships. Okay? Be social. It's critical. Be with people. It's part of our health. In fact, I've shared other studies, California State mental health studies that say if you are not in relationships with people, if you don't spend time with people, you have a high probability of having mental disorder. Okay? So if you're having a hard time, your greatest need really might just be being with people. It might not be a new car. It might not be a Tahoe cabin. It might not be a, um, a new lawnmower. It might, it might just be you really need people. Okay? I, I really believe that's true. Secondly, it's practical and needed. Here's why. Folks in our neighborhood are people with whom we're going to have, over the years, hundreds if not thousands of interactions at the mailbox. I'm out front trying to jumpstart our car. Um, or how many of you have had many vehicles where everyone finds out it's going to pick and pull, and they come pick it up for you? It's a big celebration in the neighborhood. I guess I'm the only one. Um, we're going to have lots of moments with our neighbors. And all these interactions, just these 10-minute interactions, put us in a position to be there for our neighbors, the ones closest to us. So you're strategically placed. And it, it's not only practical... It's not only practical, but it's needed. According to one mayor in, um, in Denver, uh, she felt like this was critical for the health and safety of all neighborhoods in Denver. And uh, I know the city of, uh, of Austin practices this, where churches really try to encourage their um, constituents to be engaged in their neighborhoods to make life safer. I'm just going to ask our city councilwoman, are we headed the right direction in this? Yes, okay, that's, that's straight from Angela Gatsby. This is, this is important, okay? So it's practical and needed. It, it blesses other people. And then lastly, it brings Jesus hope. Here's the deal. If you're a Christian, this is for you. <clears throat> Most people come to know Christ through a crisis or a relationship with a Christian. If we're not available for people that are going through hard times or if we're not in relationship with people and our neighbors, they're never going to hear his name. And we're, if you're a Christian, we are calling on our lives. And so this, this challenge, today's challenge, is for us because it's how the Holy Spirit works. One of the most, one of the most missional, ambassador-like things you could do is get to know your neighbor. Sometimes I think it is far to money to Bihar, India, and it's important, and we do that, or to send money to, to. Um, Cambodia, and we need to keep doing that. Those girls need our help. And we need to keep sending money to Zimbabwe, Chinmoyo, Zimbabwe, where Kathy McCarty is servicing hundreds of people out in rural Zimbabwe. We need to keep doing that. 
But we have neighbors here, especially in Natomas, that the U.S. has been sending missionaries to for over 100 years. They're all here. Do you know what I'm talking about? Those very missionaries that the greatest generation, the World War II generation especially, sent hundreds and thousands of missionaries to. They've moved here. I'm not talking about the U.S. They've moved to Sacramento. They're here. People in the developing, from the developing world, from what they call the 1020 window. They're here. We just get one life to live. Okay? I texted a friend this morning. His name's Dan. He lives in, he got a new house in Newcastle. Wouldn't everyone love that? He's thrilled. He contracted pancreatic cancer in the last year. He's been visiting plots where he wants to be buried. He's a completely devoted follower of Christ. I texted him today and said, hey, I've got you on my mind today. I've been thinking about you every day, and I haven't heard back from him yet, but I'm thinking, guess what? Dan gets to go be with the Lord. We have a responsibility to make certain everyone's ready to go be with the Lord. If you're a Christian, it's our responsibility. Agreed? I mean, if you're in, it's, you're following him. And when he says go, you're willing to go. So this is, this is where my burden comes from. Okay? <clears throat> what if we decided that we would, and I'm going to do this, and it's going to come off weird to you. I'm going to replace the word love, thy neighbor, with the word romance. Okay? Okay, and I got to tell you, my neighbors were in first service, and when AJ was in there, I wasn't saying I want to romance AJ, okay? It's not, that's not what I'm talking about. But what if we would, and I'm going to replace the word love with romance, what if we decided that we would romance our neighborhood? I know that sounds weird, okay? But think about how a neighborhood is romanced, or how you romance someone that you're in love with. Uh, Here it is. You bring them to mind every day, several times a day. They're on your mind, right? If you're in love, right? the answer is right. The answer is yes. Okay. Number two, you can't wait to see him. You can't wait to see him. Yes, I get to be with her. Or yes, I get to be with him. Okay? You have time for them, right? You make time. Lastly, you make priority and what they want a priority in your life. This is what it means to romance someone. What if we applied that metaphor to how we love the people right next door? you with me without the weird factor? Can you leave the weird? That's weird. Why is he using that word? Because it gets your attention. What if you romanced your neighbors? That means you courted them or you tried to woo them with what? The unconditional agape love of Jesus. Now, a couple weeks ago, what we did is we gave you a neighborhood map. We asked you to identify the names of eight people who live in the closest proximity to you. Eight people. And uh, the next week, we actually filled out some information on those names. So week one, that was the first Sunday of January, we asked you to learn the names of your eight closest neighbors. How many of you have got eight names? You're there. Got your eight. Raise your hands high. Hi, hi, hi. Hi, hi, hi. Look around. Look around. Well, give them a hand. Good job. Good job. Yes. That is not an easy accomplishment. <laughs> okay? Secondly, week two, make time for one activity that would put you in a position to learn something more about your neighbors. That was the challenge last week. How many of you stepped up and did it failing or successfully? You, you did it. You made it up. Raise your hand high. Raise your hand really high. Okay, one, two, three, got it, four, five, nine, six. Yeah, okay, all right, good job, good job. Not as easy, not as easy as it looks, right? All right. 
That's where we started. What was the one thing that churches want from their pastors more than anything? I'm not there yet, so give me some time here. Here we go. Jesus' strategy in the first century, his strategy, the strategy of Yeshua, Jesus, Rabbi Jesus, was to send his disciples out ahead of him. His preaching and healing ministry was drawing thousands, but he sent his disciples out ahead of him. And he said, I want you to prayerfully identify a person of peace. A person of peace. A person of peace. And I want you to say to their house, peace to this house. And why don't you read the rest? So say it with me. Peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. And then Jesus said a worker is, is uh, worthy of his hire. These guys were out serving the Lord Jesus, and Jesus says the key to your success is find a person of peace. That's what he tells them. The strategy of Jesus is to find a person of peace. And a person of peace is a person of influence. It's, it's somebody that people know and trust. Secondly, it's a person of peace is receptive. They offer hospitality and they include you with respect for your beliefs, even if they don't embrace your beliefs themselves. So there's a lot of folks in our church that have different opinions on issues, and there's especially a lot of folks in our community that, that in many cases are disinterested in Jesus. And that's cool, we love them. But they could be a person of peace still. Does that make sense? They could be hospital and be hospi- hospitable and be very concerned about our neighborhood. That's a person of peace, all right? So there is a book out called Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell, and he says this. It really only takes a few people to, to reach a tipping point. The key is having the right people. And he says, he says, the law of the few explains that a very select group of people is often responsible for the tipping point of almost all social movements. He references William Dawes and Paul Revere when they were announcing that the British were coming, April 1765, and they were getting the, uh, getting the colonies ready because the Brits were coming and uh, war was about to happen in, um, Lexington, in Concord in Lexington, Massachusetts. And what was interesting is that Um, William Dawes was not as successful as Paul Revere in getting the information out. One of the reasons is his horse bucked him off in Concord, and he had to walk all the way back to Lexington, seven-mile walk. Uh, The other, that was before, you know, you had your Fitbit on and it really mattered. But, But, and the other problem was that the internet was down in Massachusetts, and so there was no vehicle, text messaging was not introduced yet, and so there's no quick vehicle for communication. You couldn't tell everyone, alert, uh, missiles coming, okay? So what we got here is two guys that are, that are trying to get the message out, and Paul Revere had way more success than William Dawes. Here's why. He found persons of peace. He found connectors. He found people who knew people, found people of trust whose word others would trust. That's why integrity is so important. He found them. And what we learned from Dave Ferguson that is that the connectors in your neighborhood who are receptive to you are the people Jesus calls person of peace. 
And the whole point is that if you win their trust, you win others' trust. Whether or not they share your faith beliefs, the person of peace will resonate with your desire to love your neighborhood. To love your neighborhood. We need persons of peace even in our own lives, don't we? This person in your head may come off like just this kind of, uh, you know, ambiguous, hospitable, party, partier, uh, the guy, bud, who drinks more bud than he should, type of person, whatever. But these persons of peace actually could be there during life's biggest challenges. They're going to be with you no matter what. And I've actually been thinking of one for about a month, and I reached out to a friend who needed one this year, and she told me exactly the person, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to give myself any credit that I was thinking of. She told me about Nancy. And uh, I reached out to Lisa Smiley. Lisa and her family have gone through a real challenge the last two years. Uh, and they are still going through a challenge. It is still very, very hard. And uh, she gave me permission to talk about it today. So I'm going to share a little bit about um, the person of peace, the connector that stepped into their life. This is what Lisa wrote. Uh, I wrote, just for those of you that don't know the Smiley family, I would imagine that you too have been inspired by the persons of peace that have rallied community around the Brian Smiley family in the last two years. One Smiley family neighbor in particular has been amazing. Lisa is the surviving wife of Brian Smiley, along with her two sons, David and Jack. Lisa writes, I often put my neighbor Nancy on my kids' school forms as an emergency contact. When it comes to answering the question of who is the contact, I always write neighbor and friend instead of just neighbor. Wouldn't that be nice? Because she is so much more than someone who lives nearby. She has been such an amazing source of help and encouragement in our years of living together on Dunlin Court. When my husband Brian was diagnosed with brain cancer, she stepped up her care and love in wonderful ways, and when his condition worsened and he went on home hospice, her heart and hands poured out the love of God to us. She was at our home bringing and cooking meals for us. She took care of errands and carpools. She cleaned up and helped with things that I would venture to say a normal neighbor never does. She was such a light each time we walked in the door. She prayed with us and for us and never once complained. I was so, it was so amazing to have a friend so close helping us during these times. I have no doubt that God sent her to live on humble Dunlin Court to show his love to us and give us much more than a neighbor but a forever friend. And for that, I will always be thankful. Lisa Smiley. Who wouldn't want to be a forever friend? To somebody else. Who wouldn't want to be that person? If you could do one thing that might be hard for you, and maybe you wouldn't see any immediate benefit. But if you could do one thing for a neighbor that would change their life, would you do it? A neighbor. Has God placed us strategically in our neighborhood 
around neighbors that have high needs? Or has he placed us there because we have high needs and we're going to need them? I expect the latter. (laughs) Wouldn't you want to have someone be a forever friend that you're close to in your neighborhood? You can have it. I think I have it. You can have it. So, this is, by the way, Lisa's birthday. And uh, they went out with, with also Lisa's cousin, had a good getaway together just this last December. So the challenge today, I, what was the one thing pastors are told their churches want for them from them more? What is it? To be, okay, I'm not there yet, all right? Be patient with me. If I don't do my job, write me up today. I don't care. Here it is. The first challenge, it's twofold, is to identify the person of peace in your neighborhood. Identify them. How do you do that? You use the acronym that we help accomplish our mission to bring Jesus hope in our community. You start with prayer. You pray. If you're, if you're single, find a friend and pray with them. Friend, ideally, a Christian friend in your neighborhood, but if not, just a friend. And you pray. If you're married, you and your spouse, pray about it. And uh, you begin with prayer. We encourage you every day this year to begin each day with prayer. Take, take 15 minutes. Give Jesus five minutes of worship music. Play some Jesus culture or elevation or... Uh, or Lincoln Brewster, and then five minutes, give thanks to God every day. Harvard study recently says if you give thanks to God six times a day, you'll be healthier mentally and emotionally. Doesn't that sound good? And then finally, give Jesus five minutes of just studying his word. Start in a simple book like Numbers, just kidding. Start in a simple book like John or Mark or the Psalms and just read. Begin each day with prayer. And pray with someone. Spirit, Listen to your neighborhood. Go to a homeowner's association. Go to a party. If you're invited to a party, go. And listen to what's going on, what, what your neighbors are concerned about. Listen. By the way, this is how Christians go into northern Africa and love the communities that are so violently opposed to Christianity. They go and they just pray. And they wait and they listen. And then they go and they love Third, eat together. This is my favorite. If you, if you are ready to take that challenge to reach, to, to if you've identified your person of peace, invite them to have a meal with you. A person of peace will accept a meal with you unless they're in Hawaii. They will accept because they care about their community, okay? Fourthly, serve. Pick something that you can do perhaps for your community. Serve one another. And then finally, when you get the right opportunity, share Share what you're, share the story of your, of your neighborhood. What's going on in your neighborhood? I want to be more clear. That was a little vague. Eat together. Think about how you could maybe serve your community. Maybe even serve the person of peace. Be available to serve in any moment. Someone's moving, moving in, whatever, serve. And then lastly, share the stories you're learning about your immediate community. Okay, that's the acronym that we want to use. That's the first challenge. Here's the second challenge. Partner with the person of peace to bless your neighborhood in a big way by Easter. How many of you are, are just tuned out? You're gone. It's over. You're out. Danny, are you with me? Okay, all right. Partner with the person of peace that you prayerfully identify to bless your neighborhood in a big way by Easter. Big way by Easter. Now here's, here's some ways you can do it. Do a block party, okay? Do a big party. Um, get out your 80s gear, show that you can still sing Duran Duran. Okay, 
do a special service event. There may be someone that with your person of peace, you pray about uh, if they're Christians. If they're not, it's you just pray about it. And you, you identify maybe there's a family that has a special need in your neighborhood. Do something for them. Okay? Do front yard Easter egg hunt. So we've already, our neighbors were in the service, last service, and I prayed with Melissa, and I said, I think that's our person of peace. We've got to go talk to them. And so we, we're going to, we're moving forward with a, um, a corner of an Easter egg hunt. We're going to do, right, in, on our yard, our neighbor's yard, and two of the neighbors don't know, we're going to ask for the yards and their involvement, and we're going to do a big Easter egg hunt for our neighborhood. No strings attached, come, have fun, okay? <clears throat> Super Bowl party's coming up. Is that, what is that event? You guys might be familiar with that. There's, I think there's a couple games today, aren't there? Oh, I'm sorry I'm going to be so long-winded today. Just kidding. So, Super Bowl party. Throw a Super Bowl party for your neighbors. You know what's kind of fun is a big screen Super Bowl party? If you ever want to do one outside, we actually have a video projector here and a big screen if you want to borrow it. I'd be happy to let somebody use it if they need it for a big screen. Is that you all right? Okay, all right. Okay. Uh, ice cream social. How many of you just, ice cream social? You're in. You're in on the message. Okay, you're back. Right? All right, here's the deal. Ice cream. We all scream for ice cream. Do an ice cream social. People will think you're weird. Here's the deal. They're coming. They don't care if you got ice cream. Finally, here's the fun thing. Some of you might be right now saying, I don't, it's not that I don't, I'm not interested. I don't, I don't like my neighborhood. I don't like my neighbors. I don't like my house. I'm like kind of in the non-like anything mood today. Okay? So, so Perfect. You need God's grace to give you vision. Where do you get vision? Where do you get vision? This is where you get vision. You pray. And you ask God to give you vision. You ask God to do something that is not on your mind currently. Pray and listen and let God lead you. Now, some of you might be saying pushback. I don't have any time for healthy relationships, okay? I don't have any time. No, how many of you just get in the garage and shut the garage door so you don't have to be out? Oh, honest people. Oh, yeah. We have a daughter that just pointed to her mother. Oh, that was beautiful. That was, right? How many of you moms are like, hey, I, do, I stand with that mother? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's hard. Uh, where am I? What am I talking about? Oh, there's a squirrel out there on the tree. Isn't that cool? Okay. You, you say you don't have time for relationships, but here's the deal. Your greatest need is healthier relationships. You need relationships. They'll, they'll help you with hopelessness. They'll help you with anxiety. Relationships, you need them. They keep you strong. They keep you humble. It's good for you. Secondly, some of you might be saying, this whole little challenge is great, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not interested in this. This isn't me. This is not me. So here's something to consider. Jesus has called you to be a person of prayer. Okay? He wants you to pray. He says, when you pray. Pray in this way, our Father who art in heaven. Use that template. He says, we're called to listen, right? What did Jesus, what did Jesus' brother say? Be quick, be quick to listen, slow to speak, right? And slow to become angry, right? God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Jesus calls us to eat. Can I have an amen? We're called to eat, all right? He does not outlaw carbs or protein, all right? We're a little ridiculous there, but he does want us to not gorge. But we are called to fellowship with each other. A lot of Jesus' meetings with people were around food, okay? We're called to serve. Jesus said the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for others. We're called to serve. That's what we do. We're called to be other-centered. And lastly, we're called to share our story. 
called to share our story, to be ready to share our story of how Jesus touched us. And finally, it is our responsibility to bring this community hope. If you live here, you've been sent as an ambassador to this community. If you're a Christian, it's your calling. Otherwise, what did Jesus say when he said, go into all the world and make disciples? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Who's he talking to? Just the 12? Is it just my job? No, my job is actually to encourage you to do what we're all called to do. And to go. And to find a person of peace. And so the challenge today is this. Maybe you need to start back. Learn eight names. Get to know your neighbors a little better. And sometimes it's kind of how it happens. It's weird. Last week, Melissa and I were driving home. My neighbor was out front loading a trailer with garbage out of his, out of his uh, garage. And I just stopped and I'm like, I get to know him better. Pull over. Honey, I'm out. Take the car. It kept rolling. And I stepped out. And it really didn't. I just got out really quick. And I, I got out and said, hey, can I help? He goes, yeah, yeah. So I helped him. We got to talk five or ten minutes. It's a neighbor I've just wanted to know better. It was cool. Uh, so it's fun. So, so maybe you got to start just learning names. Maybe you need to start learning, learning some other details about your neighbors. Are we called? What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second one is like it. Love thy as your... Are you good at loving yourself? Okay. Fairly. We get a chance to show the same kind of love to our neighbor. And the second challenge is this. Partner with the person of peace to bless your neighborhood in a big way before Easter. Easter is April 1st. Okay, how many of you would say this morning, I'm in on the ice cream. How many of you would say this morning, I've been challenged this morning. How many of you would say, I've been challenged? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Keep them up for a minute. I've been challenged. Keep them up. I've been challenged to love my neighbor. How many of you would even raise your hand up if it included ice cream right now? Okay. Okay. Secondly, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. How many of you that have your hands up would leave them up and say, if by God's grace and the Holy Spirit's direction, this could happen before Easter, I'm in. Because I'm busy. Sorry to use that word. I know it's the big excuse word. But how many of you would say, if by God's grace, he could make this happen, I'm in. Awesome. 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 Keep the hands up. Keep them up. Yeah! It's exciting. You know why? Because Jesus is going to love your neighbors. You could be someone's forever friend. What did Jesus say? A new commandment I give you that you love one another. And the world will know that you are my disciples by your the world will know you are my disciples by your, that's it, love. Unconditional, non-performance love. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for these brothers and sisters that have said yes. If by your grace you'll help them by the leading of your spirit to identify a person of peace and to coordinate with them an event for their neighborhood before Easter. 